useless and we are running out of time. This is Jessica Townsend and this is the second podlet of the October 2019 rebellion. This episode is about all things literary because although we have the great George Monbiot and David Wallace Wells writing elegantly about the facts of the ecological crisis, we don't yet have any big works of fiction that talk to the masses about the situation that we're in. Where, for example, are the hunger games of climate change? To address this, Extinction Rebellion has a new initiative called Writers Rebel. Let's hear from some of the organisers. My name is James Miller. I'm a novelist and an academic. I think as writers we have a duty to try and sort of tell the truth and uh, represent the world as it is and draw people's attention to what's really going on. So we're hoping to have an event on Friday that should start about five o'clock. It's something of a literary marathon with, we hope, up to 40 writers, including some of the the nation's most famous and best-loved writers appearing. And each one will read a short piece of work of up to five minutes, uh, which in some sense expresses their kind of feelings about the natural world, the environment and the climate crisis. And really, this is a platform for writers to speak out, to say that more needs to be done, and also to demonstrate our kind of solidarity and support for the kind of actions that groups like Extinction Rebellion are doing. It's been a really interesting mixture of people getting involved in a hands-on way. We've got a great team. Liz Jensen, who lives in Copenhagen and who's Danish. We've got myself, Monique Roffey. I'm a Trinidadian writer. We've got Rock Sandford. We've got Chloe Arigis, who's a Mexican novelist. If not writers, who else to address what's happening. As a writer, you always feel under pressure to come up with new ways of expressing something or being original. But in this case, I think it's unnecessary because we all have to repeat the same message. The message still hasn't been heard. James Miller sounds quite tentative there about whether there's going to be an event on Friday at all. And that's because the interview that I took with him was on Monday. And at that time, there were more police officers than there were protesters in Trafalgar Square. So we were feeling a bit insecure that we would hold the space. The good news is Trafalgar Square looks set fair. So please come along this Friday, the 11th of October at 5pm. There's some amazing writers appearing, including Ali Smith, Robert McFarlane, Naomi Alderman, Helen Simpson, Simon Sharma, A.L. Kennedy, Paul Farley, Ramesh Guniskera, and Daljit Nadra. Also speaking on Friday is Susie Allback. Susie is a writer, a feminist, and a psychologist. She was also a contributor to XR's own iconic book, This Is Not a Drill. She has strong ideas about the kind of stories we should be telling. We've had six to eight months of massive activism and the stories, whether they were Attenborough's visual stories or whether it was the school children's, I think we've got frightening stories and I'm not sure that's okay. I don't think that's sufficient. We need stories of transformation, not just about the immediate thing on the planet, but the way that we have counted people, the way we've counted resources, the way that we can imagine different kinds of ways of being. Every day we see pictures of catastrophic climate change. At the same time, we're living as though we're not in any kind of danger. What is that gap about is what I was interested in exploring. I'm unable to bear what it means that that is happening to our world, because if I think about it, I get so full of grief and sorrow and upset and rage 
that it's almost unbearable. And I think we saw at the UN when Greta Thunberg did, was in a rage. And I thought that was a fantastic expression because the rage can propel you to act, which she has been doing and has galvanized so many people. But the sorrow and the grief can be so disabling that unless we talk about them, it can stop us. We need to be on the streets. We need to be agitating. We need to be activated. We need to develop expertise in things so that we can make challenges. The story that I find absolutely compelling is people coming together, being on the streets, being incredibly imaginative, whether it's sticking things onto the to the pavement, helping and encouraging street theatre in a way within demonstrations, understanding the importance of literature and film and of demystifying science, of understanding that the economic model that we've got is corrupt and awful. I see all of those coming within XR. As Susie points out, Extinction Rebellion is fantastic at images and spectacle, but I think Greta Thunberg knocks us into a cocked hat when it comes to giving the world words for the international rebellion. At Writers Rebel, we are calling on poets, playwrights, screenwriters and novelists to give us the iconic words and stories for our times. But this takes courage, because the first people to put their heads above the parapet are the ones most likely to get a backlash. Our next interviewee, American novelist Jonathan Franzen, can speak to this. His recent piece in The New Yorker caused a massive internet storm that he's still recovering from. But he's very clear that he wouldn't have done it differently. Is it two weeks or three weeks since your New Yorker article? I think it uh I think it dropped on September 8th so it's a good 3 weeks yes. Okay. And um how are you feeling cuz it's uh it looked like a bit it looked like a big lot of trouble from over here. I'm sure it looked uh, worse from over there. How how are you with all of it? Well, you know, I'm not on social media so I don't I don't experience the Twitter rage except through the accounts of a couple of friends who have not learned that they shouldn't tell me about these things. Um, uh, so w weirdly, I was getting reports of, oh my God, this person is enraged, that person is enraged, you're being called this, that, and the other. And meanwhile, I was just getting, you know, a couple of hundred emails from people who had been moved by the piece and were very supportive and almost no one coming to me saying anything but nice things, which is kind of... You know, <laughs> that sounds like a perfect universe. Goes to my complaints <laughs> with social media, um, but um, so it, it's. But it was it was nonetheless disheartening, if not surprising, to learn that uh, the messenger was being attacked, uh, even mm. if the facts of the message were not being challenged. Um, it kind of went to the point of my piece, which is that there's a lot of denial, not only on the right but also on the left, when it comes to the real situation with the climate. Mm -hmm. So you, um, is there anything now that you would have done differently? No. Uh, in London, as part of the International Rebellion, um, we're going to be having an event called Writers Rebel, where we are actively encouraging uh, creatives and writers in particular to step up 
and to imaginatively talk about the crisis, uh, both in climate and biodiversity. And I was interested in um, the way that you framed it, because it, I'm very hungry for new ways and imaginative ways of seeing this, because it's, it's a new crisis for us. And at the moment, it seems to be quite one note. Um, I liked the way that you... Uh, well, one thing that you did was you compared it to the taboo around talking about death. Mm -hmm. Would you like to talk me through that a little bit? Well, yeah, broadly, I was trying to do two things. Having already written a couple of uh, long pieces about biodiversity, um, which is... Uh, it's not unrelated to climate change, but it, it it's its own thing. Um, so I, I and I didn't. I don't want to just be the guy who talks about birds. So I, I wanted to. Um, I wanted to address both the um, what it means at a personal level to be facing the possible disintegration of a social order that, for all its problems, is pretty damn pleasant. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it's nice not to fear violent death. It's nice not to fear starvation and so forth. Um, at the same time, also to, to talk about it in political terms, but not the same terms that someone like Naomi Klein or Bill McKibben might talk about it. They are imagining, you know, the sort of utopian transformation of the world where the masses rise up and put the petroleum companies in their place and become basically local and um, socialist and thereby solve the climate problem. That does not seem <clears throat> realistic for about 18 different reasons. Uh, but I did want to say that... Um, that a, 18 that, is a very specific number. <laughs> or maybe it was 16. I've lost count. Um, <laughs> It's many reasons. It's unrealistic. I go into a few of them in the piece itself. But uh, to say that in the context of a threatened social order, um, the kind of polarization and hysteria and real hate speech that is occurring primarily in the Internet, much less often face-to-face, -face, um, is part of the problem. And, and that if we are going to prepare in some halfway humane and organized way for the rather cataclysmic changes that are coming very soon. Um, we should start thinking in terms of we're all in this together against mm -hmm. this problem that we've created. Mm -hmm. So you don't really... Uh, you don't really subscribe to a sort of spiritual transformation model, but you do think that a growing sense of community uh, might be one of the outcomes? I, I, yes, I think as a practical matter, um, it, uh, thinking about things crumbling makes me think about where my food comes. I, much of it comes mm -hmm. locally um, here in California. It also makes me think about firefighters. It makes me think about police. It makes me think about... Um, communities taking care of people that who don't have homes. Um, it's uh, dealing humanely with the uh, influx of refugees, uh, many of whom in the future will be climate refugees. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, community, because 
if you imagine a world without airplanes, <laughs> um, mm. and a world I, in I, which, I try. Yeah, right. And a world in which um, basic structures of energy, electricity, um, have become um, more fragile, uh, community looms very large. From what I've seen, most uh, of the scientists that we speak to and work with over here wouldn't take exception to uh, what you put in your article, apart from the one thing that you say is that um, once we go past two degrees, then you might as well forget it. Uh, whereas there are people who say, actually, hang on, the difference between, say, two and a half and four is so significant, it's, and, and that's still, we're still in the game to fight that one. Uh, what would you say to them? I could have been a little bit clearer, and I probably should have gone out of my way. Um, that that remark about um, uh, things spiraling out of control past the two-degree point um, was in the context of making the case that we should have as substantial and as immediate reductions in carbon emissions as we possibly can, mm -hmm. not only because it's the right thing to do, but also because it will at least, if nothing else, somewhat slow the pace of change and give us more time to prepare and to adapt and to strengthen and become more resilient. Um, I, the, so, and yes, obviously, uh, a world of two degrees is better than a world of seven degrees. Um, seven, mm. seven or nine. We, becomes, we, we, we aren't here. <laughs> yeah, we probably, prob we yeah. probably, not very many people are left at that temperature. Um, uh, if we haven't fully turned into Venus by that point, but, um, mm. but the, 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 the point I was trying to make is that, uh, there is, there is the feedback loop of mm -hmm. what's happening, um, environmentally to the planet, uh, to the oceans, mm -hmm. to the atmosphere, and therefore to everything on land. Um, and, there's also a feedback loop in terms of social structure. And are you feeling comfortable with your role there? Oh, God, no. I mean, I feel like all I do is fail. Um, but every once in a while, we have some little success. And that's that's part of, that was really the ultimate message of my um, New Yorker piece was you're not going to save everything and you're not going to probably save anything permanently but to save something for a while to watch to watch a, a formerly wrecked place recover ecologically to to see um, a species that you care about whose population was declining to see it rebounding um, you know that's I have hopes for those places and I have hopes for those species and that in the context of the larger failure, is not nothing. I find that ending quite moving. The Writers Rebel project is aiming to inspire and support writers to tell their truth. It will be a lot easier for us as individuals if we can do that together. 
If you're a writer, a reader, a climate change activist or just plain interested, come along to Trafalgar Square this Friday, the 11th of October at 5pm. Even if the weather's bad, it's going to be worth wrapping up and bringing an umbrella because there are rumours of some truly epic surprise guests. See you there.